Before we start, a quick thank you to our sponsor, NPR. With 15.8 million monthly users, NPR is the number one podcast publisher in America and has some of my favorite podcasts as well. But numbers only take you so far. Stay tuned to find out how NPR sponsorship drives connections for brands. Hi, I'm Shreen Patrick, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to marketing leaders who are changing the industry one decision at a time. Be it the need to get creative talent for your brand in-house, thinking about marketing spend on platforms, or rethinking audience engagement, there is a lot to unpack. Joining me this week is Jennifer Breithaupt, the global consumer CEO at City. In this episode, we discuss how City has doubled down on music as it seeks to become a more emotional part of its customers' lives, and how that's affected how the brand proceeds itself, part of a very large overhaul at the very large company. I hope you enjoyed the episode. So one and a half years in this role, right? Yes. What has been the most fun part of your job? Well, I love my job. There's so many fun parts of it. I think just being able to reimagine uh, the city global consumer brand and how we wanted to show up around the world has been um, really exciting. And also just to see the engagement from consumers and employees as well. I mean, it starts at home. If you want to be a best love brand, it starts with your employees living it, feeling it, breathing it. Um, they really, truly are your biggest brand ambassadors. So that's been exciting just to see the energy around everything. That's actually an interest. That's a great place to start because I think we are seeing um, somewhat of kind of maybe, maybe resurgence is the wrong word, but I think there is increased attention being played, placed on your employees as your brand advocates. And you're seeing it in very small brands and you're also seeing it in giant companies like City. Talk to me a little bit about kind of what's happening with that and why there seems to be just more and more, there are more people now who are talking about what you just said, which is our employees need to almost, it has to start there and then we can talk about the consumers. Right, it really, really, really does start at home. So I think for City, we've been spending a lot of time thinking about how do we engage that 200,000 plus group of employees around the world and have them be, again, our biggest brand ambassadors talking about us, but um, also like promoting us um, and, you know, to their friends and their family um, and having that pride of wearing our logo on a shirt or a hat or what, whatever that might be. So we spent a, a tremendous amount of time thinking about when we were a year ago, thinking about launching a, a new global consumer brand campaign, a new look and a feel. Um, how do we start that internally? So how do we build this groundswell and not let the outside? In, in the past, I will admit, we would launch things externally first, and then employees would see it and be like, is that us? It feels like it. Maybe that's us. I don't know. Um, so for us, just really taking a pause and having them engaged in also the curation and co-creation of everything that we were doing. Um, we did a whole series of videos around the world where employees actually talked about what does it mean for them to be part of the city brand? What does that mean for them um, to welcome what's next is really the campaign line that we have and now our tagline. Um, for them welcoming what's next personally, but also welcoming what's next um, for in their role at City. Um, so doing a whole bunch of things like that and then bringing in inspiring speakers that talked about living a brand um, was incredibly important for us. Um, and not just doing that in one moment, but having this be something that was a series of things that still lives on today day. Um, again, engagement over and over and taking ideas from employees of how should we look externally? How do we want to present ourselves? So I think it's been, I, I think it's, 
it's a new thing that um, I think companies been doing it for years, but I think, you know, it became less of a priority. And now people are saying, wow, with the emergence of technology and social media and all these people that work for us, they can actually be telling a pretty big story for you as Why a brand. Why not tap them? That's right. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, sort of starting about a year ago, that big brand campaign and what was the impetus sort of internally behind kind of what the goal of this was and why do this now? Talk us a little bit through what was going on inside the company and outside that then resulted in what you guys ended up doing. Sure. Um, So we had never had for the consumer business at City a brand campaign. We have, we would typically have campaigns that would run around products or services and, you know, Things we might look and feel the same, but most likely not. Um, so what we did is we took a step back and said, "What do we? How do we want to show up in the world? How do we want people to think about us? And what do what do they expect from us?" Um, so we did that. Um, brought a whole bunch of folks together from around the world and said, "Put everything in the middle of the table that we had been doing and said, what's working? What's not?" Um, what's our vision statement? What's our North Star of where we want to be as a brand? And out of that, we really came up with this idea that the thing that was lacking was the emotional part of our brand. We wanted to be a more emotive brand. Financial services doesn't lean in hard on being um, an emotive category. But really, if you think about what um, financial services products offer is they're really enabling these very emotive moments, the biggest moments you probably have in your life, whether that be, you know, your first banking relationship where you save all that money from babysitting and put it into the bank and you watch that grow. Is or that a if, personal story? Yeah, I did. I was, <laughs> I did babysit a little. Or, you know, buying that first car, buying that first home, that first baby, sending your children to college. Um, we're, we're there with these folks in some very important emotive moments, but how do we really bring that to life? So that was the goal. Um, how do we create a global emotive campaign that really shows that City is your life partner? We're there with you along your financial journey, wherever that might take you. So how did what did that sort of manifest itself as right at the beginning? And how has that, you know, changed and been added to in the last year? Sure. So we came up with this you know, like internal rallying cry um, that everybody got behind. And, and it's really how, again, we wanted people to see us. And from that became a campaign line called Welcome What's Next. Um, and Welcome What's Next, the idea of that is really putting the consumer at the center of their story, not city, um, and how it how it was brought to life um, above the line in television and digital and other channels is really big, beautiful visuals, very simple moments, the customer at the center of the story, um, doing something in their everyday life, having these memorable moments, um, very big music, um, no talking, which is surprising for City. Um, We had historically, um, in our commercials, if it was a 30-second spot, we would likely have someone talking. Big voiceover. Yeah, (laughs) 25 seconds. Um, And we decided, no, let's let the music pull that emotion through and help tell the story. Um, So it's since then, it's been the work that we've rolled out around the world, that framework, that recipe of simple stories, customers at the center of it, music as a really a big um, component of kind of pulling the emotion out of what it what the spot is. Um, And that's it's been really, really successful for us. So you've I mean, when I think of kind of city and marketing, 
I always kind of think of okay, music is the thing that it really feels like the brand has owned in a way that has felt quite real and also really big. Talk us through a little bit all of these different things that you're doing through music because I think they relate because I want to ask you a little bit more about kind of everyone's talking about experiential marketing experiences. People mm-hmm. want experiences. Um, and this has been, at least in my mind, some of the more tangible ways that a brand like City's connecting to that experience for consumers. Sure. So music has been a big part of our DNA for quite some time now. Um, it's not a hobby for City. We are very committed to it. Um, just on the music side, we'll you know offer thousands of events a year, over 12,000 events a year we offer to our consumers around the world. Um, we'll work with this year in music over 1,500 artists and bands. So it's a, it's a really large consumer access platform, one of the biggest ones for any brand around the world. How did that begin? Kind of that music is going to be the thing that we're really going to, you know, yeah. As a global brand, there's a, very few things that you can use that connect um, with people everywhere around the world. Music is the universal language, and it, it allows you to talk to, reach, and connect with a broad range of consumers everywhere. So for us, it was a tool that we felt was going to be really important um, to be part of our overall marketing mix. So um, when you think about the spots and the, the advertising that I just talked about, um, use of music in those and the type of music we were using and the artists that we were using, it was really, really important. And we did we did some research um, just to kind of gut check that, like what does that kind of do when you put um, music and use it in a big way as part of your advertising. And it was interesting that of the people that we talked to, um, over 40% of over 2,000 Americans surveyed said that a picture is most likely to cause them to have a physical reaction. And by physical reaction, I mean smile or cry or laugh, um, followed by a song at, at 31%. So really, really important. And then if you look at the other things that people were saying, it's an 80% of the people that responded to this survey agreed that you're more likely to remember and more li- likely to pay attention to a commercial that has music in it. So if you think about people just turning away from traditional advertising now, music has tremendous stopping power. So for us, we were thinking, one, we want to be a more emotive brand, but how do we kind of stop people in their tracks and make them take notice? A great song has the ability to do that. So music, you know, started as part of, um, you know, experience for our consumers, and now we're pulling it through the line and everything else that we do as well. So it actually started with kind of, okay, we'll offer, you know, whether it's our consumers' um, exclusive access to things, and I know there's a lot you can get in terms of a music experience because you're a city customer. How is, when you say sort of pulling it into now different parts of it, what does that actually look like? In our advertising, in customer um, experiences that we might create, a great example of that is a program that we launched um, a couple years ago, two years ago now, um, called City Sound Vault. And City Sound Vault is a program that um, takes a rather large artist um, that sells out arenas and stadiums and puts them in a small venue with roughly 2,000 people. And the only way to get access to into the vault, to the sound vault, is with your city card. And so it acts as the key to unlock the vault. Um, so these truly amazing, um, intimate, once-in-a-lifetime experiences, and we've done them with everybody from Metallica to Sting to Eminem this year when the Grammys were here in New York City. Um, we've had Dave Matthews. And um, two weeks ago, we had Katy Perry at a small um, little venue in Los Angeles. So she had been coming off her arena tour, global arena tour, and she played in a venue for 1,600 people. 
um, and had a great time doing it because she could really connect with the fans after being in front of thousands of fans to be able to go into that small venue, have that really intimate experiences with something she loved doing. But think about if you're one of those um, fans that was, were able to get in there with your city card. It's truly um, a memorable and unique experience. So when we when we're thinking about music, just coming up with one, having it in your advertising two, offering a ton of experiences and events, but then also creating custom experiences that truly are once in a lifetime. You mentioned earlier something that um, struck me, which was that sort of as people kind of turning away a little bit from traditional, usual kind of advertising, you know, something like this, you have to have something that's going to stop them from doing that turn away. And for you, it's been music. Overall, kind of taking City out of it just for a minute, I mean, how has kind of the marketing landscape changed everything? I keep hearing, you know, whether it's ad blocking online or just in general, you're seeing people just not engage with advertising, quote unquote. But at the same time, the definition of advertising has become so big and complicated that is that not an overly simplistic statement? No, I think, you know, certainly the world is changing. Channels are changing. How people consume your media is changing. Um, How you reach and connect with people is evolving. For us, you mentioned it earlier, um, a core component of our overall marketing strategy is experiential. Um, and that becomes really, really important. And you hear all the brands now are coming up with, it's all about experiential marketing. It's this experience, this experience, that. It's an Instagram museum for it everything, is, right? It really <laughs> is. Um, but it, it is incredibly important and it's a unique way for us to reach and connect and engage with consumers on a totally different level. And if you look at even how people are reacting after they go to an event, so we just fielded some more research around. We knew that experiential marketing was important. We've been doing it for years. Because you know it's worked. We know it works. Okay. But, you know, we thought, let's do a gut check. Let's just make sure that we know everything we know about this. Um, and the research brought up some really interesting findings that an average American takes 21 photos in an event and then shares that um, out on their social channels. So not only does that create a nice opportunity for amplification for a brand, if you're there in a very authentic real way but it you know it it also is they're telling your story so we need to be there we need to be in the middle of that kind of moment that memory that they'll have forever we also um we saw that 38 percent of people that went to a live event where a brand had participated in that live event they were 38 percent more likely to visit your website okay so there's conversion there's conversion so it's that traditional brand funnel where the preference funnel where you need that awareness first so if they're going to your website you've got them okay now you have to hook them into hopefully they prefer you it turns into loyalty and then recurrent revenue so we know that these events are working they're kind of pulling people closer to you and making you like look and appear a little bit different Mm -hmm. what would i asked you kind of what you know the most fun part or interesting part of your job has been what's also been the hardest i'd say the 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 most challenging is just staying current with everything that's going on in the landscape you have to not be reactive you have to be and you can't be on your heels and waiting and be a fast follower you really need to be trying and testing out new things Um, one of the things that we've been thinking about um, to address those challenges is making sure that we're doing something first um, that we do at least one thing first every six months so a great example of that is um, something called director's mix which is something that we tested in the campaign. And it's where we're coming up with thousands of iterations of each digital unit, changing words depending on where you are, where you're consuming our media. So it's just making everything more contextually relevant. Um, So you could be at weather.com and we're going to serve up or change the language slightly so that it appears that that ad was 
it was customized. It was made directly for you. So just using AI as a way to like kind of think about how we're showing up, where we're showing up, and um, being very relevant. That's interesting because I think, you know, so many people I speak to in the marketing industry, I think it's a very common challenge, and I'm sure you've talked to many people about just staying on top of things because things change very often. Um, Some of that is just new technology, right? Like, oh, voice. I know, should we be doing something in voice, but what do we exactly do? Um, And you mentioned this kind of idea of testing and learning and trying at least one new thing. How do you balance that then with, then you've also got all these other obvious KPIs and goals that you have to set and make sure you meet as a business and as part of a business that has to ultimately drive revenue and marketing has to be a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Is it hard to balance? I mean, I'm sure it is for a lot of brands. Um, for us, because we've been on this transformation over the last few, several years to be a next-gen digital banking company, um, for us, we have to be digital forward. We have to be thinking about, like, if you think about payment technology and how it's ever-evolving, we have to be trying and testing new things. Um, we can't be a fast follower because the the overall way people will engage with us as a brand and as a business is changing overnight with the emergence of all this new technology. So for us, we get a little more permission, I think, as a company where they'll let us make some bets. They'll let us try something, fail fast, move on, go to the next thing, um, where some traditional brands may not have that luxury because the technology is so closely linked to what we're doing. Has, Has there been a bet, small maybe, that has failed? Oh, I'm sure there's been a lot of those. <laughs> Are we allowed to say that? No, everything's been perfect. Everything is perfect. Um, it, you know, there's been some smaller things that we haven't been really excited about when we've done it. But again, I believe in, I truly be, believe in that in some of the best marketers out there are doing the same thing is you have to give yourself permission to fail fast and move on um, and because otherwise you're not going to find the next best thing. We'll be back after this quick break. 80% of NPR podcast listeners hold a more positive opinion of brands that support NPR. That's Connection at Scale. To learn more about sponsorship opportunities across the NPR platforms, visit npr.org slash forbrands. Now back to the episode. What about overall kind of in the industry itself? I mean, you mentioned obviously experiential is a very big part of how you approach marketing um, within within city. What what else? I mean, you're obviously doing tons on digital. You're doing TV. You're doing print. Um, where, what works? What hasn't worked? What is sort of interesting right now, and how some of that marketing mix is evolving and changing? I think it, even just to pull apart because we talked a lot about music and experience. Um, even just some of the things that we're doing around um, fan experience. Um, so creating fan advantages and um, next gen fan experiences. So using technology and how does how does city um, become a part of that? Like even if you look at what we do at music festivals now where we're testing every kind of payment technology you can think of, whether it's loading everything into a wristband or whether it's on your actual device of how do you elevate that fan experience? And as a brand, how you not stand in the way of the experience, but stand behind it where you're pushing that um, experience forward in a really nice organic way. So I think some of the technology and some of the things that we've tested there are really exciting and it's a different way to reach and connect. Again, it's so difficult for marketers to capture someone's attention. It's that rule of seven. They have to see it seven times. So just that's still true. It's got to be. Now it might be more. It might be more. It's the rule (laughs) of 70. Um, So I think for us, just making sure that when we do get that moment to interact with a consumer or prospect alike, that we're really creating a deeper engagement um, and that we're giving them an an advantage of being a customer um, 
with city. So I think that's where we've leaned in a little bit um, more than some of the other areas. And it's been really exciting because it's moving so quickly. You mentioned kind of prospect and then customer. Um, Let's talk a little bit about sort of just customer acquisition, because I think that's something that's just interesting right now, especially as kind of channels, a lot of ways to do it, Mm -hmm. but also every, especially digital, everything's just feels like it's getting more expensive. Like just Facebook is more expensive now. Instagram's more expensive now. Um, and I think there are, and there's also getting more and more crowded because everyone's mm-hmm. doing it. It's not just giant, giant companies. It's every tiny DTC brand under the sun. Of course. Everybody's almost barreling, it feels like sometimes to me, towards like a similar platform and similar challenge, cha- channel and everyone's doing the same thing. Is it hard to then stand out even when it's not your own competitors? It's just everybody. Everyone's trying to sell something constantly and acquisition becomes arguably a real challenge. Well, again, I think I mentioned we've been on this transformation for the last few years, and um, we have been maniacally focused on being a next-gen digital bank. So we've been there. We've been in the digital space. We're thinking about consumers' experiences. We're thinking about where they're going to engage with us as an existing customer, but also where do we get the next customers? And if you look at what's happened even year over year, we're showing globally that we have more mobile active users. We have 43% more mobile active users um, year over year. So making sure that experience when they are with us is seamless, that it's simple, that it's secure, that's really what we've been focused on. When you talk about acquisitions, we're, we're getting close to half of our acquisitions are coming through digital channels. And then when you think about um, what that means for us, not just are we getting more customers, but obviously the savings in that is significant as well. It costs 44% less to acquire a customer through a digital channel than it does a traditional channel. So. It's, I know everybody's there, but it's for us, it's been something we've been doing for several years. Um, it's where we will stay in the future. Um, and we feel good about the things that we've done. Is there more to do? Certainly. You, you've mentioned kind of, you know, the transformation, I think, that you've been on as a company over the last few years. Um, for marketing specifically, I mean, one thing I keep hearing is sort of more and more CMOs that I speak to, at least, are like, one thing that we sort of just woke up to is that marketing is, you know, a revenue driver. It has to sort of live and operate within that, which has always been surprising to me because I guess I've always assumed that on some level marketing has to drive real results. But it has felt that because of things got confusing, maybe things got so focused on kind of the end result of the execution that that main goal of what is marketing meant to achieve was lost overall as an industry. Um, was there kind of a course correction overall that you noticed, not necessarily even within the company, but in the industry as a whole? I mean, you know, I think for us, it's always been an important part of everything that we do. Um, and we certainly have a lot of different ways to measure it. Um, so it's been on our scorecard. Brand is so closely linked to reputation. And if you look at our campaign over the last year, we've seen a six-point lift in brand preference. Um, so the the company understands the value of it. Um, they understand the need to keep evolving everything that we're doing. But it is it is true. It's a challenge in any organization. Attribution of marketing is something that every CMO, every marketer deals with. Um, but you have to stay focused on it. And you have to try to tie everything you're doing to true business KPIs and metrics. Um, it can't just be about that preference number. It has to be what did it do to the bottom line and how am I able to 
give that attribution back to the PL owners around the organization. So we spend a lot of time partnering with the various stakeholders around the organization, making sure they understand the importance of brand, the importance of marketing, um, and that we're able to tie the value back. Is there more sort of, is there need for then to kind of take more of that control of how all of that works back to the marketer? Because they're, you know, as digital media grew up, you know, there were a plethora, you know, this mm-hmm. plethora of ad tech vendors mm-hmm. who were doing multiple kinds of measurement. There were other agencies doing it. Then there were thousands of companies. Then they consolidated. But one thing more and more that I hear also is got to take back control. Like ultimately, this is our brand. And mm-hmm. who knows it better than our 200,000 employees and the people who work here. And we need to be just doing more of it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Did that happen with you? It did. You know, um, we've been doing market mix modeling internally for years, um, but where it was sitting was it was probably sitting in the wrong places. It wasn't sitting in a neutral place where to have true market mix modeling working. It doesn't sit in the marketing department. It doesn't sit on the business side. It sits in a neutral function where they're able to watch and measure everything that's happening and pull the lever down if they're like, we're we're getting a customer here and we're saving a lot of money. Let's funnel that into marketing or this marketing's working harder over here we can spend less over here um, so for us we we have that internal muscle built um, and that's something that we use to inform a lot of our decisions so I think it is important for brands to if you can't bring it all in-house at least you have one place where you're able to gut check it and get fast results that you know you trust that they're yours, that the whole organization has embraced. I think that's really important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been calling it this like pivot to reality a little bit. Yeah. Like, okay. After everything, you know, everyone keeps talking about uh, Mark Pritchard talking about how it's been 21 years since digital media. It's time to treat it as an adult. Yeah. Um, and that's a little a bit, it, it has taken some time. Mm-hmm. So there has been a little bit of that pivot. How else? How else has that manifested? Because I, I know I've heard you speak actually about, um, you know, not just being about data, having to be a little bit more about insights and a little bit about what that actually means for a customer. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to us a little bit about using customer data in sort of an intelligent way where it actually makes a difference and not just kind of, we have a lot of it. And as a brand like yours, you have a lot of data. You have a lot of great data on your customers that can be used. I think when a brand is able to use it um, to inform a better experience for the customer, I think that's incredibly important, um, and you can learn a lot from that, where how they want to interact with you, how much time they want to spend with you, what does a seamless interaction look like, a frictionless um, interaction, but also from a marketing standpoint, um, where do they want to receive messaging from us, how do we show up to them, what's the most convenient place, how do we let them do what they need to do with us and then move on to what matters most. So that's been, um, when we do use data, that is what we're using it for is improve experience and then think about a smarter, um, a, a smarter, more authentic way to reach our consumers. Is that mostly done? Um, have you worked more in sort of creating, I don't know, more of a data operation internally for that? Or how has that kind of worked internally? Um, we do. We have groups that that's their focus is on um, kind of thinking through um, how do we create these better experiences? What do we know as a whole? Um, what would make us a better um, business and solution for customers? Um, and that's what they're focused on. But a great piece of that has also been as things change and how people want to consume media and how they want to interact with us, they're able to help us think through that piece as well, which is nice. Um, we're almost out of time, but before I let you, I have to ask you about music. Okay. Has music been a big sort of personal driver too, as you've kind of worked with worked with all of these great bands? 
I think it's an exciting part of the job. It <laughs> makes every day different. Um, you know, we have, again, City will work with over 1,500 artists and bands this year. Um, Got a favorite. Do I have a favorite? I have a few favorites, but it's nobody that anybody would care about. I'm, like, personally really into, like, um, Ryan Adams, not Brian Adams, Ryan Adams. <laughs> I did th- think you said Brian <laughs> yeah, Adams, but I was yeah. like, bold choice. <laughs> I'm sure he's great too, but um, The National, I'm into Radiohead, I'm into some kind of different types of like alti bands. But then I, I love the the poppy stuff as well. Like we've been working with Katy Perry. We just um, were working with Lady Gaga on the release of her new film, Star is Born, which is fantastic. You need to see it. The trailer gives me the chills. Oh, I mean, alone. Bradley, just the trailer Gaga, alone. it's over right there. They're, they're <laughs> both fantastic. So just working with artists like that on some of those special projects too has been a really fun place to um, kind of create a different level of a relationship as they evolve their careers into other places outside of music. So I think that's where it's really fun. Right. So it's fun. It's hard, but it's actually really fun. Yes. Amazing. Jennifer, thank you for being on Making Marketing. Thank you so much for having me. And that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like the show, then please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating. Have more feedback or thoughts about the show? Tweet at me. I'm at Train Batek. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.